Welcome to Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. She took a seat next to mine and she started to share openly. She is a millennial. And as she was talking to me, she wanted me to know, of course, that she was raised as a Christian. In fact, for many years, she was a very conservative Christian, a God-fearing Christian. And then uh, she didn't so much drift away from the faith, she did an about face against the faith, and she wanted me to know why. She said, you know what, I'm not alone. Many people from my generation have walked away from the Christian faith. You see, there used to be a day, she said, where, you know, if you wanted to know and had a question maybe about the Bible, you would go to church and the pastor might answer that for you. Or you could be part of a small group and, you know, maybe your group would grapple with that and that might be helpful. But you don't need to do any of those things anymore. People from my generation, if they have a question about the Bible, you just go to the Internet. And there you can find answers to all of your questions. And what we've discovered is that on the Internet... The answers there differ significantly from anything we ever heard in the church. So it's no wonder why so many people, she said, are walking away from the Christian faith. And I said to her, well, thanks for sharing. I mean, how do you know that who you're listening to on the Internet you know, is reliable? I mean, how do you know that you know, they're, they're, what they're saying is rooted in truth? Maybe it's rooted in a partial truth. Maybe it's not rooted in any truth at all. I mean, how do you know? I asked that question in light of a phone call I received a few months ago from a very, very highly educated man, and he called me, and I'll tell you what, he was scared spitless. Uh, he lives in Michigan, but you know, he and his wife, they're trying to sell their home, you know, trying to find any jobs they could outside of the state of Michigan, and I said, well, what's the hurry? And he said, well, any time now. Um, the state of Michigan is going to become part of Canada. And once it does become part of Canada, we won't be able to get out. I know some people here in Ohio would be fine with Michigan being part of Canada. <laughs> That's a different subject altogether. But, you know, I mean, this guy was scared. And I asked, where did you hear this? And he says, well, you know, on the Internet. I asked that question of that young woman because I don't know about you, you probably experienced this as well, but the concerned people who reach out to me, you know, because they had some symptoms and they went on the internet and thought they were going to die tomorrow. I'm not kidding. So is there a place we should be going? Is there some other path we should be pursuing other than the internet to find truth for today and for tomorrow and that will guide our life in a reliable way? Is there? Well, he wasn't a man just like any other man. He, he was radically different. Some thought of him as selfless. Others thought of him as trustworthy. Well, others described him as a great man of faith. In reality, every single one of these characteristics were true of him because underneath it all, he was driven by a set of core beliefs. It's one reason why he led a movement that fed the hungry. Now, when someone lives such a transformational life, as you know, there's various ways that people respond to them. In this situation, respect would certainly be offered by some, but jealousy would reside within the hearts of others. 
And unfortunately, jealousy rose so significantly within this particular group that they began surfacing false accusations about him in their attempts to stop him. You see, much like our culture today, Stephen resided in a stone-throwing culture as well. And as you know, there are various kinds of stones that exist. Stones of gossip, stones of slander, stones of anger, stones of open accusation, and stones of outright attack. Sadly, throwing stones isn't new to our culture. People have been throwing stones for a long time now. Why? Well, sin. Sin. I know we don't like to talk about it. The world doesn't like to talk about it. But when we allow sin to have its way, little will inhibit us from picking up a stone and seeking a future target. And secondly, beliefs. Well, one set of beliefs can really cause a person to stand for good things and rightful things and helpful things. Another set of beliefs can cause them to pick up that stone and seek another person as a future target. You see, a belief, I define it this way, is a heartfelt conviction that propels one to action. A heartfelt conviction that propels one to action. I think many people think beliefs reside up here. We just kind of think about them. You know, maybe they reside in here and we just kind of carry them with us wherever we go. But no, no, no. A belief that we truly hold results in something, either for good or for bad. As one person noted, he said, your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. So our beliefs are not merely secondary, they are primary. And they direct the very course of our lives. And if left unchecked, we'll try to alter the course of someone else's life as well. As we've seen, this has led to various posts and tweets and false accusations, which had mounted up so significantly that the person being attacked will hardly know how to respond. You see, stone throwing can be very effective Well, the group that confronted Stephen that day, they knew this. They also knew that stones have an even greater impact when they're joined with others against a common threat. You see, fear, fear can cause some people to be silent. Fear can cause other people to lash out. Well, the group that confronted Stephen that day, they were very afraid. Uh, They were afraid of his witness for Christ. They were afraid of his gospel message. They were afraid of the miracles that they couldn't do, right? But, but seemed to flow so freely from Stephen's faith-filled hand. And that's why they gathered up stones in their own hands. And yet the group that confronted Stephen that day, they, they were not prepared for his response. Not at all. You see, while the religious leaders held beliefs, Stephen had taken the appropriate time needed to be rooted in his See, Stephen had actually investigated why he believed what he believed. And while such a process isn't popular and known to everyone, it is incredibly effective. You see, when someone embraces the process of knowing why they believe what they believe, several benefits transpire simultaneously. A humility arises that displaces defensiveness. A boldness surfaces that eradicates all fear. And a wisdom is wielded that penetrates hypocrisy because it's rooted in the truth and therefore can proclaim the truth. Just knowing why you believe what you believe not only strengthens one's mind, it fortifies one's heart. And as you probably heard, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Stephen began to speak. And for Stephen, as it related to that audience, it all started with Moses. He told that group, this 
is the same Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. He referred to Moses because Moses was looking forward in time and he was referencing Jesus Christ, this Messiah. Well, then after recounting the power of Moses' leadership and, and how you know, the Israelites had been set free and led free out of their bondage, Stephen then recounted the disgusting ways God's people really chose to live in the bondage of their idolatry. But then Stephen went even further. Speaking from the conviction that comes when you only know why you believe what you believe, he compared the Israelites' adulterous living with the ways the Pharisees were living then. And so he looked them squarely in the eyes and he said, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? Well, the Pharisees were stunned. This wasn't how things were supposed to go. I mean, in the face of all the pressure, Stephen was supposed to cower. Stephen was supposed to cave. But since they only held beliefs that had never been fully scrutinized, and since they hadn't yet encountered many other than Jesus Christ who knew why they believed what they believed, they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. You see, it often takes a mob to try to silence someone who knows why they believe what they believe. And because Stephen did, and because Stephen's beliefs were deeply rooted in the vine, Jesus Christ, Stephen naturally then sprouted with the attributes of Jesus as he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then as he fell on his knees, he cried out to the Father, Lord, do not hold this against them. And the next thing Stephen knew, he was resting in the arms of Jesus. As Paul wrote, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Friends, we live in a stone-throwing culture. Everywhere you look, yeah, there are verbal stones, Facebook stones, cable news channel stones, Twitter stones, Instagram stones. Stones are everywhere. And sadly, more and more in our society, the people holding those stones have their sights set on anyone who disagrees with them, anyone who doesn't help to further the shifting narrative of the culture. And chief among their targets, Christians. I don't know if you've noticed the heat and how it's been rising up, but in our culture today, you can believe almost anything you want, and that will be fine to our culture. But call yourself a Christian, and you're kind of under attack. It would be easy to kind of point the finger though, right? But I think first we have to humbly take a look at ourselves. Because perhaps this is partially due to our reputation for packing a few stones in our own pockets. Perhaps this is partially due to our silence or our participation in the shifting winds of culture. Or perhaps this is due to our tendency to address someone else's hurt with a scripture taken out of context rather than meeting their needs in context. The result, Christianity isn't the main voice in our culture as many claim it once was. The tide has definitely turned and as a result, the pressure has been mounting. And since some who once called themselves Christians never took the time to really know why they believed what they believed, they left their faith behind in the face of all those stones. 
And this growing trend has actually been furthered by a cultural bent towards minimizing the importance of belief in our culture. One man noted it this way. He says, I can believe things that are true and things that aren't true. I can believe things nobody knows for sure are true or not. So according to Neil, holding beliefs that are certain are not all that certain. But that's not all. One expert said it this way. Beliefs are our brain's way of making sense of and navigating our complex world. They are mental representations of the ways our brains expect things in our environment to behave and how things should be related to each other, the patterns our brain expects the world to conform to. So in order, in order to kind of align with Dr. Lewis here, our beliefs then are properly rooted in our own expectations. That means our beliefs are not really solid. They're merely guideposts that have been established by ourselves, for ourselves, but with direct ramifications for others. It's no wonder our world is so messed up. Friends, may we never forget, Christianity is not based on a relativistic point of view, nor is it driven by a personal expectation or even our personal experiences. Christianity is based upon the sure, never-changing, never-failing word of God. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Friends, we need more Stevens in our churches today. We need more Stevens in our neighborhoods today, in our schools today. We need more Stevens in our workplaces today. Christians who know why they believe what they believe. Because it's out of such a well-defined faith, so deeply rooted in Scripture, that the Apostle Peter told us this. He said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. You see, Peter, he envisioned a day, every day, that what you believe not only is held in here or in here, but what you believe just completely transforms what you say and what you do, how you treat people, how you serve people. And it's in light of that kind of belief that really makes this kind of impact that others notice and they wonder why. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So first lesson, knowing why we believe what we believe equips us to provide helpful answers. You see, our world, friends, our culture needs good answers in troubling times. They need answers that are rooted in faith and truth, not answers that are derived from the latest Instagram post or cleverly marketed podcast. So let me ask you, do you know why you believe what you believe? Do you? And if asked, are you ready to give your answer? See, Peter tells us there are other reasons for living with such clarity. Because after he's saying, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, he provides us with this encouragement. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. You see, friends, if we don't know why we believe what we believe, when we are confronted by others or questions come our way, we'll either respond with answers that are not helpful respond with no answers at all, 
or a response with defensiveness that is rooted really in our fear. And the first two responses, well, they'll bother us afterwards. I mean, they'll plague us afterwards. We'll ask ourselves questions like, why did I say that? Or why didn't I say that? Or why didn't I say anything at all? Well, I'll tell you, you haven't gone through the process of really knowing why you believe what you believe. You've merely settled for a life of unexamined beliefs. And while the first two responses will bother us, the third response will really bother them. After all, defensiveness rarely makes new friends. Rather, it pushes others away and causes them to run away from the very beliefs we hold that would be good for them to hold as well. One theologian said it this way, the truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Let it loose. It will defend itself. Don't you love that? Second lesson, knowing why we believe what we believe equips us to honor others. Honor others. And friends, this doesn't ensure that things are always going to work out well for us. I mean, in this example, we see that Stephen is honoring the Pharisees by honoring their Jewish faith going all the way back to Moses. And yet, because they didn't like really what Moses was referring to, they got really, really angry. That's why Peter writes, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Peter tells us not to fear. You see, when Christians, whenever we have a growing sense of fear and intimidation inside of us, it can lead to a desire to kind of lash out. This has sometimes been true of us as Christians in our past over the decades. I mean, rather than being known for our love, we have sometimes been known for our self-righteousness. Rather than being known for following Christ, we have sometimes been known for following our politics. And rather than being known for seeking to understand, we have sometimes been known for making our many statements. Peter calls us to live differently. It's why he wrote, even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. He repeats the same theme again in the very next chapter. He says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Peter is saying light shines. I mean, it's what we do. It's who we are. And if others are successful in kind of extinguishing that light even for a season, remember you are blessed because you have represented the light of Jesus Christ to another. It's why he adds, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Not just as a good example, not just as a kind of really good, wise person, but as Lord. Peter says to revere Christ, not others, and most certainly not ourselves. Why? Well, because this. When we revere others, we can fear them. When we revere ourselves, we repulse them. When we revere Christ, we equip them to love him. It's so important how we respond. Third, knowing why we believe what we believe equips us to live free from fear. Free from fear. So one central way you can revere Christ in the culture, one way you can inherit the blessing that Peter is talking about is knowing why you believe what you believe. Because when you do, it dispels fear and propels Christ. 
So knowing why you believe what you believe equips us to provide helpful answers, to honor others, to live free from fear. And while the first two outcomes benefit others, the third mostly benefits us. And yet there's another benefit that that Peter really wants us to see, understand, and embody in our lives. And it leads us to the closing chapter. Be alert and of sober mind. Be alert and of sober mind. Now, a significant driver to being alert and of sober mind is knowing why you believe what you believe. In fact, Peter tells us why we need to do so. He says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So I want you to notice he embraces two key strategies, right? He prowls and he roars. Neither action hurts anything or anyone. I mean, you stop to think about it in and of themselves. They're harmless. However, they are intended to instill two outcomes in the one being pursued. First is fear of possible pain. And second is submission to that potential attacker. Friends, today the enemy is prowling and roaring in all kinds of different ways, which have proven sadly effective, if even for a season of time. Cancel culture. If you don't believe what I believe, you're ignorant, you're a bad person, and you should be ignored, so I cancel you. Herd mentality, if you don't submit to societal norms, rejection will be your norm. Or or half-truths, just believe this partial truth so I can get you to live in daily deceit. Or idolatry, I am God and you are God, so we have no need of God. And all this prowling and all of these roars have caused many Christians to run for the hills or abandon the hill that Jesus died on. Rather than impact the culture, they have been conformed to the culture. So that young woman, she had abandoned the hill that Jesus died on. Clearly walked away from the faith. And so I say, well, how do you know that what you're reading on the internet is true? I mean, maybe it's partial truth. Maybe there's no truth at all. How do you know? And she said, well, you know, the people that you know, I listen to, they're, they're very convincing. They know a lot. I'll send something to you. I got to be honest, I've heard that from others of the years, the past couple of years, different people. I'll send something to you, and they never do. They never do. Uh, because many times, if they do, that's inviting a conversation, and maybe I don't want to invite a conversation because I just want to do what I want to do. I want to believe what I want to believe. I want to live how I want to live. So they don't send it to me. But in this case... About a week later, I got a text with a video. So I watched that. She said, you know what? This person really states things much clearer than I ever could, and they're really respected. So I I watched the video, then I watched it again. And this person did have doctor in front of his name, so he'd gone through a fair amount of education. And this was a central theme for why this person has walked away from the faith. And so I, I, I wrote her back. I said, thank you for sending this. I gotta tell you, I've heard of his name before. I've never really heard him teach, so it was really great for me to kind of sit under his instruction. Really thankful for that. I mean, he's got some really, you know, good things to say, but as it regards this subject, historically, I gave all the evidence. I didn't even, because she's not a Christian, I didn't even come from a biblical side. I just said, historically, these are people who aren't Christians, and they will tell you very clearly what he is saying is not even true at all. All. There is nothing here. 
And I'm being gracious, I said. There's nothing. And the proof was all there. And thankfully, the conversation is continuing. I've just finished a book, and she says, I'm going to read that after you're done. I said, well, I've highlighted this whole thing. I didn't know you were going to read it. She goes, well, that's great. You know, Who knows where that will go? But friends, hear me on this. If we do not know why we believe what we believe, and if our foundation of faith is not solid now, it will be shaken later. You can be guaranteed. And the apostle Peter, he's responding to such an outcome by saying, you know what? Know why you believe what you believe. Do not cave, do not run, do not cower, do not recoil, but rather resist. Resist him. Resist him how? With a clever slogan? With my own truth? With an internet search, with the strength of my own convictions, with the wisdom I've accumulated through the years? No. Resist him by standing firm in the faith. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to stand firm in anything, it's going to require me to understand what that something is, become familiar with everything it consists of, and understand how I can join with it in order to stand strong in it. What am I referring to? Well, knowing why you believe what you believe. And as you do so, friends, you must know that this is not a solo effort. You are not alone. When we stand, we are never alone because the Bible says God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. And so when the enemy prowls, when the enemy roars, we do not fear for God is our refuge. And we do not run because God is our strength. In the midst of all the pressure though, there is one thing we are to do. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God is telling us, be still and remain confident in who I am. Because my name and my power ensures the final victory. So in the midst of possible attack, we resist the enemy. We stand firm in our faith by knowing why we believe what we believe. And we remain confident that we are not alone. Because we know that in addition to God being with us, the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Together we stand with each other as we stand in him. Fourth lesson, knowing why we believe what we believe equips us to have a faith which is resilient. Resilient. A faith that equips us to put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. A faith that equips us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. A faith that equips us to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, bottom line, when I know why I believe what I believe, I can live confidently. Confidently. Are you living that way? Or are you living confused? That's what the culture wants. That's how everyone else is living, confused. God calls you to live confidently. It's why next weekend, for example, I'm going to talk about why I believe in God. That may not sound revolutionary, but if you're paying attention to what's going on, a lot of people are talking about the universe these days. The universe does this. The universe does that. Universe here, universe there. I believe in the universe, but in a very different way. We need to know who God is. We're going to grapple with a variety of different subjects. 
So this morning, you may not be confident. I encourage you to come back over and over again. Invite others to join you. And this morning, you might be hurting. You might have questions. And if that's the case, I encourage you to come up after the service. We have prayer partners right down front. They want to pray with you and stand with you. I encourage you to come. But for all of us, be part of this series so we know why we believe what we believe. Because if we don't, I'll tell you what, this world has got all kinds of changing beliefs. It wants you to believe. Let's not let our faith be rocked. Let's stand on God. He is our refuge and strength. Will you pray with me? Dear Father, we thank you that you made everything. You made everything that we can see, and you made everything we cannot see. And Lord, you love us. There are those sitting in this place today, watching online today, they feel unloved. Lord, may you just remind them right now they are loved. They are challenged, just cherished and valued and prized. Lord, this world is so confusing. It's so divisive. So much hurt. So few solutions. Lord, you have called us to be salt and light. You have called us to be Jesus to others. So help us to be people who know why we believe what we believe. Not so that we can be proud in our beliefs, so we can be humble in our beliefs. And so that what we believe transforms the way that we talk and the way that we live, that people would see us and want to know what's going on. For your glory, not for ours. So today, root us. All the way through this series, root us in you. Help us to proclaim you lovingly, graciously, boldly. Help us, Lord, to stand strong in what we believe. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and for what you're about to do in each one of our lives. Lord, we Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.